0: Well, we are again still in the year of discipleship 2022. This is all about knowing Christ, growing in our faith, helping others to do the same. Uh, And, you know, we need God's Word to help us in this, to learn about Him, to hear His voice, to know His direction. Uh, So, F260 Bible Reading Plan, we are working through this as a church. If you have questions, want to jump in with us, we're in week number 13. You can go to friendshipwire.com, get more info, or head over to Next Steps. We'll get you connected there. Uh, Also working through this series called The Word, 52 Weeks through the story of scripture. And we are in this series. We started last week called Against All Odds. So we moved into the book of Joshua. And really the whole idea behind this series is that you know, what we saw previously was that the previous generation of God's people, the nation of Israel, they were rebellious. God delivered them out of slavery, but they didn't fully follow the Lord. And so they missed out on the promised land, all that he had for them. And so there's this new generation that the children of that rebellious generation who are moving in to take possession of the promised land. And the reason it's called Against All Odds is because all the odds were stacked against this new generation moving in. Because they had to go in and conquer all these cities and all these people in order to take possession of that land. But God, here's the whole point behind the whole series, God was with them. And God was fighting their battles. And he had already given them this land. And so they're moving in against all odds. Last week, we started into the book of Joshua. What we see in the early part of Joshua is leadership transitions. God gives uh, Joshua this new mantle of leadership from Moses. Um, we see that, God, that Joshua sends two spies in to check out the land. And one of the things they're checking out primarily is the city of Jericho, which we're going to talk about today. And in the midst of this, they are helped by this woman named Rahab who has this amazing story um, of grace that we're not going to get a chance to look at, but uh, they spy out the land and in the next couple chapters. We kind of saw last week the, the, the people of Israel, they crossed over the Jordan River, moved into the, the land of Canaan, and what we saw last week is that God instructed them to set up stones, these piles of stones, remember to, to remember God's works and to teach the next generation coming up. And so today we're moving just a couple chapters in. Joshua chapter six is where we're going to be today, and we're going to talk about um, this sermon, which is when the walls came tumbling down, all right? So we're going to talk about Jericho and what was going on there in Joshua chapter 6, and here is what, if I could give a, this is the shortest summary I'll ever give of of a sermon. It's a one-word summary, okay? What this whole sermon and really this whole chapter, Joshua chapter 6, is all about is this, victory. All about victory. You know, and he, as a church, um, we talk a lot about uh, struggle because the reality is that we live in a world of sin and we're sinners and we, uh, we struggle against sin in our life. So we talk about struggle because it's, it's reality what we face. But if there's one thing that the Christian life ought to be marked by, all it is this one thing, victory, living in victory. That's why we talk about Easter. That's why we celebrate Easter, which is all about victory and and we'll talk about that more as we go along. But we can't, we can't ignore the reality of struggle and sin in our life. But, man, we, we can't minimize the, the victory that we have in Christ. And so that's what this chapter is all about, Joshua chapter 6. I hope you are encouraged today by what we see in, in, in the story of Jericho. So Joshua chapter 6. Really two big points I want to repeat a couple times this morning is this. Victory promised by God. Victory provided by God. So victory promised, victory provided. So Joshua chapter 6, we're going to read the first seven verses here. and Talk about victory promised by God. So starting in verse number 1, it says this. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went in. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Verse 3 You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. And let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. All right. So victory promised by God. So Jericho, they come to the city of Jericho. And I just want to take a minute to consider Jericho, the city. This was a city that was situated in the Jordan Valley. All right. They just came across the Jordan River. Um, This is just west of the Jordan River and about uh, 10 miles northeast of the Dead Sea. And it sat in the broadest part of the Jordan Plain, more than 800 feet below sea level and nearly 3,500 feet below Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was about 17 miles away to the west. And so this is why, if you remember in the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, Jesus tells this parable and he says that this man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was quite literally going down because of the topography of the area. So Jordan River to the east, Jerusalem to the west. And, you know, when you think about Jericho, which was in this Middle Eastern area, which is surrounded by desert, um, Jericho was different. It thrived in this fertile, you know, fertile land that was spring-fed, oasis kind of um, contributed to it. And the the Old Testament, you see it often referred to, Jericho is referred to as the City of Palms. Because of the abundance of palm trees, it sounds like a place I could hang out. You know what i 'm saying, um, and so Jericho was this this fortress city. It was fortified with these thick, high walls, and this was the very first challenge for the people of God as they came into the promised land. Their very first obstacle was this this fortified, walled, impregnable, impregnable that's a weird, hard word to say, um, city, right? It was fortified with these walls. And this was their first obstacle. If Israel is going to take possession of the land, they had to take over this unconquerable walled city. Um, so Jericho, this is also where, if you remember in the New Testament, this is where Jesus met, famously met That wee little man, remember Zacchaeus, who had to climb up into a sycamore tree? This is in Jericho. And really interesting, just a little side thing here. As I was, like, Googling about Jericho, um, you know, sometimes I'll use Google. It's not always a reliable source. But um, I found, like, you can actually find on Google Maps... Like Jericho. So you see it marked here, and this is in the midst of Israel, and you see Jerusalem there. And kind of if you zoom in here, you can see, like, there's Jericho. And then to, off to the right, to the east, you see this, that zigzag line there. That's the, the Jordan, all right, where they crossed over. If you zoom like, if you see more there, you go, uh, I, I, like, notice this. On Google Maps, you know, in 2022, the baptismal site of Jesus, which I thought was cool. If you remember John the Baptist baptized Jesus and the Jordan River. And I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. You see this on Google Maps. But then you kind of look a little north of that. And there's this one thing on there. If you zoom in more, it says this. It is the discount rent-a-car Jordan. And I was like, ah, oh, well, that kind of ruined everything for me. It's not quite as spiritual as I thought. Um, <laughs> I just want to share that, all right? Just, in, again, in my weird studies, just Google Maps. There you go. Discount rent-a-car. Um, you got to get around, right? Okay, so <laughs> Jericho. Here's this area, and and so consider Jericho, consider God's plan in the midst of this. What a weird way to, like what a weird military plan to conquer the city. So for six days, it was this, march around the city one time, and I want the priests kind of out front blowing these seven trumpets, leading the ark of the Lord for six days, march around one time each day. Day number seven, I want you to march around seven times. And when you come around the seventh time, I want you to like let out this long blast of the horns. And then I want everybody to shout with a great shout. And then what happens? The walls are going to fall down. Okay, this was the strategy that the wall will fall down and now the people will go up. The people will be able to go in and take possession. So what a strange, bizarre battle plan. But let's not just consider God's plan, consider God's promise. And I wanna just look back at one verse there, verse number two, this phrase that God said to, to Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Before he even gives instruction, before he even lays out his plan of attack, God says this, you've already won. The victory is already yours You already possess, you just gotta go in and possess this land. It's already yours, so act like it, behave like it. And all they had to do, all the people had to do was act on what was true, okay? Don't miss this. God said, here's what's true. This belongs to you. Now, I want you to act in accordance with what I have said is true. And it wasn't based on how they felt, because, you know, in that moment, I would, I would think if you're part of this army, you'd be going, this makes no sense, right? This doesn't feel right. This doesn't seem like a good plan. But God said, hey, here's the truth. Here's what is true. This is yours. I've given it into your hand. Go take it. So all they had to do was act based upon what God said was true, what God promised. So the first thing we see here is that victory was promised by God. Second thing we'll see and we're going to read through the 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 rest of this portion of scripture verses 8 through 21 victory provided by God. So victory is promised. Now they're going to go in and possess it, victory provided. Starting verse number 8, it says this. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of of ram's horns before the Lord went forward blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. Verse number 9. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, went before the Lord. Before the ark of the Lord walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six Days. I love that God abbreviated that and didn't do that for like seven, six days. You know what I'm saying? They did that for the next four days. Verse number 15. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And I tried to convince Andrew to play, like, shout to the Lord. I think this is where that all comes from. But he said, no, I'm, I think I'm going to do this new song called Same God, which is awesome. Um, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 17 And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. Again, that's going back to chapter 2 of Joshua. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. And so victory was promised, and here we see that victory was provided by God. And so God gives them this plan. And though it sounded crazy, though it made no sense to the people, I'm sure, we have no record of them questioning it. I'm sure they, in their minds, were going, I don't know how this is going to go. But they didn't question it. They simply followed it to the letter. And Joshua does this amazing job of, of leading the people. And, and what we see in, in, in the story is that God made this promise, and then the people, they believed it. And their faith led to obedience. They simply acted on what they know to be true. Their faith led to obedience. And so God's instruction to his people, it wasn't, hey, walk around and sound the trumpets and shout and watch the walls fall and then take the city. No, God's instruction to his people was this. Walk in faith. Sound the trumpets in faith. Shout in faith. Watch the walls fall down in faith. And then take the city by faith. You see, faith was such a huge component of of this. And, and, and so I, I wrote down um, kind of the series of of phrases that I thought, man, this is, this is uh, some good preacher speak right here. And I'm going to read through it for you. Um, and and I, I envision like, like a serious preacher voice doing this. And I just want to read it for you first and we'll see where it goes from there. So here it is. The obstacle appeared insurmountable and God's instruction seemed illogical, but God's promise was unequivocal. So the victory was inevitable because God is the God of the impossible. Amen? And... and and I, this doesn't sound right unless I do it in a preacher voice. But I just don't know. I, do you all want me to do a preacher voice this morning? Um, I, I do have to give you a, a warning. Uh, I'm, I'm Asian American, not African American. All right, so this, give me some grace. This may not come out right. I want to give an attempt, okay? So <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if I want to do this. Okay, the obstacle appeared insurmountable. And God's instruction seemed illogical. But God's promise was unequivocal. So victory was inevitable because God is the God of the impossible. Amen. Can I get an amen? All right. Okay. It'll be a little better second service. All right. But this is the story of this chapter, right? The obstacle. Man, there's no way this people is going to overtake this city God's instruction seemed like there was no logic involved in this whatsoever. But God made a promise. He was unequivocal. This land is yours. This city is yours. And so victory was inevitable because God is the God of the impossible. Amen? This is the story of this victory. So victory was promised by God. Victory was provided by God. And we see this in this story, clear as day. So how do we live in light of this? What do we do with this? Victory promised, victory provided. So let's run it back. Uh, Let's run it back. Victory promised by God. And you know, for Israel, they knew what what victory looked like, right? What did victory look like for Israel? Walls tumble down, right? You go in, you take possession of the land. You defeat the enemy. So victory looked, was very clear to the people of God then. And I wrestled with this question and in, in kind of prepping this sermon. For us, what does victory look like for us now? What does victory look like for us? And I think this is a, like a, kind of a deep question like to think about. What does it look like to live a victorious Christian life? I think sometimes, a lot of times, what we think of victory is things go my way, right? Um, I'm never, you know, I'm always coming out on top. I'm never on the short end of things. Uh, No uh, serious struggle, no difficulty, no hardship, right? When we think of being victorious, we're like, man, things are going smooth. Things are going well. I'm not fighting against anything or struggling with anything in my life. I'm, man, I'm I'm experiencing victory, Uh, If that's what victory is, then our lives are probably like all over the place, right? We're only spending a a small portion of our life victorious. So what does victory look like for the follower of Jesus? And I came up with three things, and I'm not claiming that these are exhaustive, but when I think about what does a victorious Christian life look like, and here's what I went to. What does the Bible say about victory for us. So kind of three big categories. First and foremost, this is like the ultimate victory, victory over the power of sin and death. And this is what Easter is all about. This is what we are going to celebrate. It was because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus from the dead, that we have power over the, we have victory over the power of sin and death. And I want to read Just a few verses from 1 Corinthians 15, this penultimate chapter of scripture about the resurrection and about our resurrection. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, When the perishable, like our bodies that perish, puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory in Christ. We have victory. And this whole chapter is all about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That if Jesus rose from the dead, that we too who are are in Christ will also rise from the dead. We that are perishable will put on imperishable. We that are mortal will put on immortality. Why? Because Jesus has conquered the grave. Jesus has conquered death. And because he is the victor, we can have victory through Christ. And so this is this if you're in the midst of kind of remembering like or going through this this Lenten season, like it's all about remembering the the resurrection of Jesus that he gives us power over sin and power over the grave. And just kind of like as a, as a little side note here that I think is pretty interesting. If you, if you back up in 1 Corinthians 15 back to verse 51 and 52, which kind of look at it. Uh, Paul says this, behold I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or just die. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last what? Trumpet. For the trumpet will sound And the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. So what you see here is that this, at this ultimate moment of victory, this is about the return of Christ when he finally and fully comes in victory over sin and death and the grave. Do you know what's going to signal his coming? What is it? It's a trumpet. Hmm. Sound familiar? A trumpet announcing Victory. This is ultimate victory. And, and back to ancient times and even in the more modern times, you know, the announcing of a, um, you know, royalty coming. You know, this is a trumpet announces the coming or the, uh, the presence of a conquering king or a conquering sovereign. It happened in Jericho. And it's going to happen on the last day when Jesus comes back. This trumpet is going to sound, that trumpet that signifies our ultimate victory. Amen. Victory over the power of sin and and death. That is one one aspect of victory for us. There's another aspect that I thought about as I was thinking about what does it look like for us. Victory over the power of sin and death. Victory over also uh, over uh, and overcoming sin in our lives. Because even though sin doesn't have power over us anymore because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we still wrestle with sin in our lives on the daily. And so... Through Christ, we can have victory in overcoming sin in our lives. So I just want you to see First John chapter 5, a couple verses there. John says this, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And I like to just point this out. Everyone that is alive, every human being is a creation of God. Not every human being is a child of God. The way that you become a child of God, the way that you're born of God, is you have to do what? According to verse number one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You have to believe that Jesus is God. And then you're born, you become a child, a son or daughter of God. Verse number four, if you drop down, it says this. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the what? This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And so the way that we overcome, and that word overcome, it it literally has that idea of having victory. And over and over in this passage, he talks about victory, victory, victory. Overcoming. How do you become an overcomer? How do you have victory? Man, you have faith. You believe in Christ. And he is the victor. And if you put your faith in him, man, we too can be victors and experience victory. And we can overcome. It says, over everyone who has been born of God overcomes the the world and the Bible says that all that 's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, man we can overcome sin and temptation and all that stuff that, that bogs us down in our life. we can experience victory over sin in our lives and, and then a third thing that I would say is on the other side of this, not just like killing and doing away with sin in our life, but victory in experiencing all the goodness and fullness of God. We can experience victory by experiencing all the goodness and all the fullness of God. And here's just a passage that I've just been thinking about, Galatians chapter 5, that talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that we, when we walk in the Spirit, that when we're following the Lord and His Holy Spirit in our lives, we, the more we walk in His Spirit, the more we experience, and the more we produce this fruit uh, Galatians 5:22 it says the fruit of the spirit is is love and love of, of God from God and for others this joy in the midst of sorrow and peace that passes all understanding peace in the midst of conflict and 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 trouble and all of these things, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And those who belong, belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion, passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So the more and more that we walk in the Spirit, the more that we follow the Lord in faith, the more we experience the fruit of the Spirit, and the more we produce this, the more we experience the, all the fullness of God and, and all the goodness of God. If you think of all those, those attitudes and those qualities, that man, those are all caught up in the person of Jesus. And we get to experience all of his fullness and all of his goodness. We get to experience victory when we walk in the Spirit. And so when I think about the victory that we can have as followers of Jesus, it's, it's first and foremost victory over the power of, of sin and death. Like the worst thing that can happen to you is for you to die. And yet the, the power of that has been taken away because of Christ, his victory over it. We can experience victory in overcoming sin in our everyday life, and we can experience victory of all the goodness and all the fullness of God. You see, Jesus came to give us victory. Jesus came to make us overcomers. And he's already given it to us. He's already given it into our hands. Just like he had given into the hands of Israel, Jericho, he has given to us victory. And so we can rest in what is true. We can rest in what is promised. So... Um, you know, you, you all have heard me talk a lot this year about um, my football team, the Cincinnati Bengals, and their, you know, their little Super Bowl run that they had a couple months ago. Um, so on Friday night, and this was just like random, um, just sitting around, I was just kind of flipping through the TV, and NFL Network was pl- had this replay of one of their biggest games of the year. It was like a statement game. They played the Kansas City Chiefs, and, you know, we moved here from Kansas City, and all those stinking Chiefs fans were like, man, if we could just beat the Chiefs, this would be amazing. They're like the kings of the AFC. And, and this, this game that we watched was so intense. And there was so much on the line. It was at the end of the year. And it was like the Chiefs got up really big on, on my team. And then we came roaring back. And, like, it was this really intense game that you're, like, really into. And you're like, oh, can we actually win? And it comes down to these last two minutes. And they're, they're like, they, they actually pull it off in the last two minutes. But it was super stressful. And it was super like, you're, you know, your blood pressure's up. You're on the edge of your seat. Y'all know what I'm talking about, those kind of football games? So stressed. And they won. And I was like, oh, this is the most amazing victory. And so, like, you know, flipping through the TV. And here's a replay of this Bengals-Chiefs game. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch this for a minute. Dude, I got so into it. And I watched the whole second half of this game. And the net was in the room for a little bit. And Aiden was kind of, like, was in. And the other kids were in and out. But... I ended up watching the whole second half of this game. And I'm just telling you, it was way more fun to watch the second time around because I knew the outcome. Like, I didn't have to stress. I was like, when's that one, good, when's that one awesome play coming? Oh, here it is. You know, I, I was so relaxed and chill and um, Annette left the room. And, you know, after the game, I ended up watching it. Aiden stuck it out the whole game. I walked upstairs and Annette made a comment about watching, you know, did you finish the game? And I was like, yeah they won. (laughs) And she's like, oh, well, good. Um, And it was, but it was so, it was so relaxing because I could just like, I could chill out because the outcome was certain, right? And I could relax and I could rest and I could just enjoy what was going on. Y'all, I want to remind you today that victory has been promised. That is what is true. And you may be going through a quarter where it feels like, you know, the score is uneven and you're way down and you're like, there's no way I'm going to pull this off. This seems impossible. There's no way I could come back and win this thing. There's no way that this story could end in victory. Y'all, the, the ending, the outcome is certain if you're a follower of Jesus. The end turns out in victory because Jesus has won the day. Amen. Victory is promised. But not only that, victory is provided. And, and you know, again, let me remind you that Israel wasn't victorious because of their skill in battle. It wasn't because they outnumbered the enemy or they had this incredible battle plan. It was provided, it was given to them from God. And so I just want to say this phrase that I heard years ago and it has stuck with me ever since Victory is received, not achieved. Victory is received, not achieved. What this this means is this is at the heart of the gospel that Christ has done the work. He perfectly obeyed God's law in your place and he took your sin upon himself and he died on the cross in your place to pay the penalty for your sin. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't play a part in it. You are simply the beneficiary of the work that he has done. And so you believe it and you receive it because victory is received, not achieved. You don't clean yourself up. You don't scrub away your sin. You receive the work that has been done for you. And just, again, a fun fun little side note for Bible nerds like me. Um, And and, and Here's what's going on. Remember how many days they marched around one time? How many times did they do that? Six, right? Six days. And then on what day did the victory come? Day number seven. Okay, when you think about number seven always completion, perfection in the Bible. If you kind of like go back in time or go back even the book of Exodus or even back to the book of Genesis, okay, what is that seventh day? Day of rest, Sabbath, right? Now, I don't know if that was, was the Sabbath day. I know it was six days of work. The seventh day came victory on what is typically the day of rest. You don't work to achieve, you don't work to attain, you just rest. And on the 7th day, God gave victory. He said you're not going to you're not going to work for it, you're not going to attain it, you're not going to achieve it, you're just going to receive it. And this is what God did. God provided victory. So here is here's is the so the crazy nonsensical part of all of this is that God in all of his power and all of his sovereignty still chooses to use people. Like you notice this? Like God could have chosen any means to tumble those walls. I mean, he could have spoken and crumbled those walls, right? Hello, creation. Like he spoke and out of nothing came everything. God could have easily spoke and everything could have went to nothing, right? He could have spoken the words. Um, God could have opened up the ground and swallowed all the people, right? He's, he had a track record, he, track, track record of doing that. He'd done that with the sons of Korah uh, earlier on, right? He, just, he could have used any other act of God, you know, to defeat the enemy, right? But what did he choose to do? He chose to, you know, assemble a group of people and circle them around the city and march silently and blow trumpets, priests, you know, in this ark and, you know, and shout. And this is the way that God is going to provide victory out of all the ways that he could have done it. This is how God chose. So God promised and he provided victory, but he still wanted faith and obedience from his people. He just wanted his people to do as he asked. He wanted his people to so believe in faith That they would act upon it. That they would do something based upon their belief. And he said, here, I've given you this land now. I just want you to do this. I just want you to show me that you believe. I want your hearts to trust me so much that you would do something that makes no sense. Would you follow me in this? And and here's how I know that they exhibited faith in what they did. Because Hebrews chapter 11, this great hall of faith, says that they did. Hebrews 11 verse 30 says this, by faith... The walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. If you're a grammar Nazi, you're like, the walls had faith? That's weird. Um, No, it's the people had faith. Because the people had faith, they acted on the promises of God. Then the walls fell down. So the people didn't do the work, and yet... God involved them in the process, right? He said, here is my promise. I've promised it to you. I will provide it for you. I just need you to march. I just need you to act upon your faith. And this is how God always operates. God makes promises to us and we are to put our faith in him. We are to trust him so much so that we act upon it. We act in obedience to it. And then God says, here's the victory that was yours all along. And so if you say, I have faith, but, and this is a whole book of James, if you say you have faith, but you don't do anything about it, you don't really have true faith. Because faith prompts you to act. Faith prompts you to move out in obedience to God, even when it seems ridiculous and it makes no sense. And this is the path to victory. Always. Always that God makes his promises and we have to trust and believe even in the face of impossible, insurmountable odds. And when we move out in faith, God says, "Mm, there's that victory I promised for you. It was yours all along. All you had to do was act in faith. All you had to do was act in obedience. So I wanna close with one final kind of add-on point point. it won't take long, but here, here it is. Victory was promised, victory provided, but... Victory was preceded by surrender to God. And if you just back up, I just want to read the last few verses. It's kind of the precursor to Joshua chapter six, three verses in Joshua chapter five. Here's what it says. Right before Joshua goes into battle, before their very first battle that was going to lead the way to conquering all of the promised land. Here's this circumstance, this episode that pops up. Verse 13 Joshua 5. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversary? So this mysterious figure wielding a sword appears to Joshua. Right, right before he's going in to, take, to try to take over Jericho, right before this very first battle for the people of God, this mysterious figure comes up and Joshua asks him a question. He says, okay, and this is like this confrontational thing. He's got a sworn, draw, sword drawn. He's like ready to fight. And Joshua says, hey, are you for us? Or are you for our enemies? Whose side are you on? Are you on our side or their side? And, and check out the response. Verse number 14, and he said, no. (laughs) And I just like look at this and I'm like, bro, this was not a yes or no question. A or B, our side, their side. And he says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Uh, he, He says, no, 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 no. I'm not on a side. I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And this reminds me of a quote I heard uh, from Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if you ever heard this before, where someone reportedly said to Abraham Lincoln that God is on your side. And Abraham Lincoln's response was, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. He, He said, God's not on my side, I'm finding out where which side, where God is at. And I'm going to join him on his side because God is always right. And this was the response of of this commander of the Lord's army he says, no, I'm, I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I've come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? So Joshua falls on his face and he worships him and I won't spend a lot of time here, but you know, some say this is an angel. Some say this is like a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And, and I would say that it, it's, this is like that very thing. It's not an angel because you see in the, in the Bible, angels don't want to be worshipped. Revelation 19, as they fall down before him, he says, They don't worship me, worship God. I'm just a fellow servant. And, and, and this individual doesn't refuse worship and one of the things that we see in Revelation 19 is that Jesus comes on a white horse to make war. And it says that the armies of heaven are following him. So I believe this is Jesus before he came in the flesh. And, and so look, verse number 15. Joshua says, what do you want to say to me? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, man, pay attention. This is a callback. Take off your sandals from your feet. For the place where you are standing is what? It's holy, and Joshua did so. And so the same thing God said to Moses at the burning bush is the same thing that he says to Joshua. He says, son, take off your shoes. This is holy ground because you are in my presence. And I want you to kick off your shoes because I wanna step into your shoes before you ever go into battle. And you're gonna, man, all the odds are against you, but I'm gonna give you this land. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to surrender and I need you to kick off your shoes so that I can step in and I can do the work and I can give you the victory that I've promised to you. And so before any of that comes, there's a surrender to God. And so this morning, I just want to say, I just want to remind you that God wants you to have a life of victory. That is his desire for you. That is why Jesus came. He came to lead you into full life, and his way is the only way to it. And so, man, grab a hold of his promises. Grab a hold of his word. Kick off your shoes. Let him step in and give you the victory that is yours in Christ. Amen. Stand with me. Let's pray, and let's worship the Lord. God, what an amazing God you are. You are a God of victory that you know no defeat. The only defeat you've ever experienced was only temporary at the cross. And yet the big picture of all of it was, and that led to your victory, that led to our victory. That because of you, because of the work that you have done, we can experience victory not just in eternity, but we can experience victory now. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be able to stand in that victory, that we could rest in your promises, that we can follow you by faith and experience all that you have for us. So this morning, God, we thank you and we worship you for the victory that belongs to us in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.